wish that music played every time we left a worship service, every time we met in a connect group, that people go, oh man, I'm, I am energized now. Uh, because in the book of Acts, what you find is you find ordinary people doing extraordinary things through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the comic stuff is just got the whole world, it's taking the whole world by storm right now. I mean, the biggest movies, the biggest amusement parks, it's all based around superheroes. And these are all made-up stories, and they're a lot of fun. But the stories in the book of Acts aren't made up. And they are stories of how a relationship with Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, how you and I can be used by God to accomplish some extraordinary things. I hope that's good news to you today. And if you would uh, like to, if you came here today and you were looking for a a way to say, how can I deepen my relationship with God? How can I allow myself to be more available for him to use me? Well, you've come to the right place because we're going to continue on in our study of Acts today, and it's powerful. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the book of Acts. Lord, uh, you do not promise to make us faster than a speeding bullet or able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, but you do promise to change us through the Holy Spirit. You promised to give us new hearts. And today, that's what I pray, Lord, you would remind us that that is what you have done in the past. That is what you are doing today. And that's what you long to do for people that we are going to meet this week and this next month, that you're going to bring people in front of us. And Lord, we want today to understand how to make ourselves available for you to shine out through our hearts. And so, Lord, I just pray, I pray your blessings on this service. I pray that you'd speak and move me out of the way. And say whatever you want to say to us today through your word. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Well, as we jump into this study today, we're going to be looking at some characters again out of the book of Acts in the New Testament. And it's important to remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit transformed thousands of ordinary people from all over the world into a selfless, generous, and unified church by giving the believers new hearts. In the book of Acts... You find on Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples. And when they went out into Jerusalem, where people had gathered to celebrate the Passover and gathered, for, uh, or had gathered to celebrate Pentecost 50 days after Passover, they had come together from all over the world. And the Holy Spirit went out and allowed the apostles to speak in languages for people to, from all over the world to understand them in languages they didn't even know. And here's what happened. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, and Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Well, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. And so the church took off with an explosion. And these were people from all over the world, all kinds of different backgrounds, speaking different languages. And yet what you find is immediately there was a unity and a generosity and an authenticity among them that was amazing. In fact, here's what it says in Acts 4.32. All the believers were united in heart and mind. I mean, they were all of one heart. In some translations, their hearts beat as one. I mean, this is a wonderful thing. It's like, it's everything you long for in a church where you go, hey, we are all together in this. We are all celebrating the Lord. We are worshiping him together. We're pooling our resources for good. We are doing the things he wants us to do. 
This is what happened. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one, uh, the, one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, and he was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles. There was a guy named Joseph. They nicknamed him Barnabas. I mean, we're comparing this to superhero things. He wasn't known as Superman or Batman. He was known as Encouragement Man, okay? Uh, he was, and wouldn't that be great if you and I were known as the son or daughter of encouragement? Well, how did he encourage people? Well, it gives people great courage when somebody goes first. I mean, this is a guy who went and sold a field he had, I mean, just weeks before and months before. He had never known anything about the church. He had never known anything about Christ. And now all of a sudden, his whole world has changed, and God's given him a new heart. And he feels led to go and sell a field and give it so poor people can be, the money can be used to help the poor. And he does it freely, joyfully. And that encouraged other people to do the same thing. I mean, I hope that inspires you that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to do something that is amazing. We live in a world where people are selfish all the time. And when somebody does something genuinely selfless and joyful, well, that stands out like a superpower. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He changes us from the inside out. Now, it's important to remember a couple of other things here, that we all need new hearts. I mean, that's the reason we come to Christ in the first place. We all need new hearts. Listen to Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is most deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? That's a depressing verse. But it's true. It's true. I mean, we have to teach ethics classes to our kids, not cheating classes. The scores have been too honest lately. We need to teach you all how to cheat. Nobody ever has to do that. You don't have to teach accountants. They don't take classes in college on how to embezzle. They figure that out all on their own. This is where we are. We have to make all kinds of laws to set things right again because people have found ways to find loopholes and be dishonest and cover things. But when we come to Christ, we can confess all that. and We're free of that. Because he changes us, and if we surrender our sins to him, he forgives us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I mean, if this is good news to you today, would you say amen? I mean, this is what the power of the Holy Spirit amounts to. It's why we come to him. Sinners, everyone, needing to be forgiven. David knew this. That's why he wrote in Psalm 51, Purify me from my sins, and I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Could we read the last two sentences there, starting with create in me a clean heart, O oh God? Could we read those out loud together, please? Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. David is a man the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart. He wrote that verse right after he'd had an affair 
with another man's wife. She'd become pregnant. In order to cover up the pregnancy, he had her husband, since he was a king, he ordered that her husband be put in a position in battle where he would be killed in battle. And then he took her into the palace, pretending to care for a, a widow who was with child. He was a liar, a murderer, and an adulterer. And God had shown him his sin, and he said, God, forgive me. Created me a clean heart. What God wants us to do, he wants us to come to him and say, Lord, no games, no pretenses. God, I just come to you. And this is what he offers us. Is he, when we come to him like that, he promises to cleanse us and change us from the inside out. That's the life application here. We must surrender our lives to Jesus so the Holy Spirit can do this, so he can cleanse us from the inside out. Listen to Ezekiel 36. I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I'll put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. I mean, what a wonderful promise. I'm going to take out your stubborn, stony heart. That's what he promises to do for everyone who comes to him to cleanse us. And not only that, but to give us a new heart that wants to obey. We're not trying to find loopholes. I want to obey. This is what Paul was talking about in Philippians 2. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Can we read that together, please? For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And this is what God wants for you and me. You know, every time I read that passage there about, I'll take out your stubborn, stony heart, people are circling and going, oh, my boss needs to hear this one. I'm going to share this with him tomorrow. Well, he may need to hear it, but we all need to hear it. Because we all have stubborn, stony hearts, and when we come to Christ, that's what happens. That's how he changes us. This isn't a comic book story. It's really true. And all of a sudden, we have a new heart. I mean, when my heart is changed, it means I think differently. I have new attitudes. I have a different way of looking at things. I talked to somebody recently, and they are starting a family, and for a while they just hadn't thought they were ready to do that. And I was asking, well, well what? You know, that's a different position all of a sudden. They said, yeah, but they had spent some time with some of these other couples who just had babies, and they decided, man, they were hanging out. And they said, man, we loved hanging out with all these little kids. It's time for us to start a family too. We had a change of heart. Well, imagine if the Holy Spirit came and changed all of our hearts. I mean, that's what happened to 3,000 people in one day. And Barnabas is just an example of what was going on. And he encouraged so many people because if God put on his heart to be generous, he just went and did it. And everybody else felt emboldened then too. Well, if God's put on my heart to do something kind for somebody, I'm going to do it. Encouragement, man. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. But at the same time, not only was Ananias involved in the early church, there were two other people. Ananias is the good example. There were two other people who performed a very negative example because they tried to scheme in the middle of all this. Their names were Ananias and Sapphira. And they lied to the Holy Spirit and they suffered terrible consequences. They did. But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property and he brought part of the money to the apostles claiming it was a full amount. And with his wife's consent, he kept the rest. 
So they saw what happened when everybody was applauding Barnabas. Way to go, Barnabas. And instead of being encouraged then to do something selfless and donate money, um, they made up a lie. They sold some property and said they did exactly what Barnabas did, but they kept back some of it. They wanted the recognition without all the sacrifice. And it shows they had an ulterior motive in their heart. And that's important because that was the great sin. And so what happened was, with his wife's consent, he kept the rest. And Peter said to him, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. This property was yours to sell or not sell just as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. So how could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. And as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and he died. I mean, this was a miraculous event in itself, but it was a quick punishment from God because they'd lied to the Holy Spirit and they were playing games and pretending. But it goes on. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Well, I guess so. In fact, every now and then I have somebody that will come to my office and they'll say, you know, I wish we could just live in the days of Acts where, we saw mir- we saw, where people saw miracles happen all the time. And I go, yeah, well, let me read you a story from the book of Acts. This is a miracle too. <laughs> and they go, yeah, I don't want that to happen. Okay. This is strong. And we'll talk about why God had such a strong response to this in a second. But the story goes on because it wasn't just Ananias. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. But about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, was this the price that you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the Spirit of the Lord to see if you could get away with this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they're going to carry you out too. And instantly she fell dead to the floor and died. And when the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. And God made a powerful example of them to talk about his holiness and the importance of not having deception inside the church. Not having deception, no pretense. What Barnabas did was pure, was from a pure heart. What Ananias and Sapphira did was all about position and power. And this is something that God does not want to hinder his church from being fully devoted to him. And he, he made a strong example. And there's a life application for you and, me in the, you and me in this. We must never try to fool God by keeping up appearances. 1 Samuel 16, 7 reminds us people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You might be asking, well, John, have you ever seen this illustrated? Well, yeah, I've experienced it in my own life. I mean, I was in college. When I was in college, I had uh, met a girl. She was really cute, and I thought, man, I'd like to go out with her. And she said, well, if you want to go out with me, you've got to go to church with me on Sunday morning. Well, I'd been out with some friends at a bar that had a cover charge the night before, and they'd put a bar stamp on the back of my hand, and I'd forgotten to wash it off. And so at the end of the service, the guy was greeting people in the service a lot like I do here. I go greet people when they're coming out. And I shook his hand. He turned my hand over and he said, how long are you going to keep playing games? When are you going to get serious about the Lord or not? 
And some of you now are questioning whether or not I'm going to shake your hand on the way out. I understand. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute here, dude. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. No. <laughs> wow. I mean, I literally said nothing. I mean, busted would be the right word. The only reason I went to church that morning was so I could meet this girl there. I didn't want what they were selling. I didn't want the truth of God in my heart. I didn't want the Holy Spirit in my heart. I wanted to go out with a girl. Ananias and Sapphira didn't want the Holy Spirit moving through them through generosity to help people. They wanted recognition. That was the sin. And if God left it unchecked, if he allowed appearances to go on, well, then all sorts of disastrous things can happen. I had lunch with a fellow this week, and he now has a ministry to help guys get out of pornography. And it took him years and years and years, he said, to get up the courage to deal with this because he'd been a member of a church for years and even been a leader in the church, and he had secretly struggled with pornography, didn't know the way out until somebody had shown him and gotten him accountable. And he went to the leaders of the church, and he said, I went with great fear and trembling to the leaders of my own church because I was afraid once I told them that I had struggled with pornography that they would kick me out. he said what I'd learned to do was keep up pretenses that nobody here has any problems. It's only the people out there. I mean, you see the problem with pretenses. This was the problem in the, tab- in the temple when Jesus would talk to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of, his, of the day. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, If you're whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity, outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. And by the way, hypocrite just means actor. We applaud great acting in Hollywood. We give Academy Awards to the people who can pretend to be somebody they're not. I mean, that's what a great actor does. We don't need to applaud that in the church. Hey, you looked really generous, and you didn't really give very much. Good job. Hey, you lied through your teeth on that. That was only a half-truth, and you got away with it. Good job. Hey, you look like you're being faithful to your spouse, but we know better. Good job. That sounds wrong. I hope that sounds wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. And that's why there was such a strong example made of Ananias and Sapphira. It's why Barnabas was lifted up. He gave him a pure heart, no agenda. And he was an encourager. Ananias and Sapphira, complete agenda. And even though there was a big donation made to the church that day, Peter called him out. How long are you going to play games? Why would you do this? Now look, every time the Holy Spirit moves, it's an act of grace. When he forgives us, it's an act of grace. When he moves through us to help others, it's an act of his mighty power and his grace flowing to somebody else. we got to think of ourselves like like pipes through which the Holy Spirit flows and, and can bless other people all around us. And what chokes off that pipe is our greed and our own selfish desires and lies and half-truths. 
all the things that Ananias and Sapphira were doing. And we came to Christ and we said, we're filthy, rotten sinners. We must never forget that. And if anything happens through us, it's all because of the grace of God. And we're just surrendering to his will. He's the one who gives us the desire and the power. It's not like we came up with it on our own. Why would we pretend we're all of a sudden really righteous and good when we came to Christ acknowledging that we were filthy and wrong? And so if you and I want God to flow through us powerfully, well, then we've got to make sure there's nothing choking the pipe. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked, Galatians 6, 7. Remember, God sees even if nobody else does. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is, this is hopefully a wonderful lesson to us today. Man, Barnabas just came and said, Lord, everything I have is yours. I'm so grateful you forgave me of my sins. I'm so grateful that I'm a part of your church. I just want to help people now. What can I do? And the Lord put on his heart to sell a piece of property and give the money away. I'll do it. And that's what Peter says. That's the way we want you to give. In fact, that's the next point on your outline here too. It's awfully important to note that generosity in the church must always be voluntary and from the heart because love is a choice. At this church, we want you to give because you want to give. Paul said, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, like Barnabas. Paul knew Barnabas. They were ministry partners. Give like that. Give because you want to give. And we're building a new facility over on McQueen Smith Road, and it's going up right now, and I hope you pray for it every time you drive by. And I'm grateful for all the people who've donated toward this. But when we announced the project and we asked people to pray about giving and making commitments to that, it was made abundantly clear, and I want to make it clear again, that we want you to give voluntarily toward this. Because if everything goes as we've planned on this, the monthly payments we have on a note at the end of the construction will be about the same as what we pay to rent this place in an office, but instead of being able to use a place on Sunday mornings for a few hours, we'll be able to use it all week long. We'll be able to tell people about Jesus more than we ever have. And if that excites you and you go, oh, that's wonderful, well, then give cheerfully. That was our whole devoted initiative. We're devoted to discipling people. We're devoted to training the next generation. We're devoted to sending people out. And we believe this building will be a powerful tool to help us do that. If you agree with that, then give cheerfully. We don't want you to give angrily. Okay, here's your stupid money. God bless you. I mean, that would be wrong. No. But don't you understand, when we surrender everything to God, we can forgive joyfully. We can let go of resentment joyfully. We can accept new responsibilities joyfully instead of in fear because the Holy Spirit is working in and through us. But what it means is we get rid of all pretense. No agendas. Just coming to hear from you today, Lord. I want you to guide me today, Lord. 
Work through me today, Lord. And that's why it was so important that everybody understand what Barnabas did was right and what Ananias and Sapphira did was wrong. That's what's going on here, and it's to encourage us still today. One last thing. The Holy Spirit worked powerfully through the believers whose hearts were fully devoted to God. When that was made clear, man, the Holy Spirit kept flowing. This is, the next, this is Acts 5 a little further on. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. The Holy Spirit was doing all kinds of things through them. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. That was a big porch around the outside of the temple in Jerusalem. And no one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. People kept coming because there's nothing as attractive as authentic faith lived out in a real world where people are willing to admit their faults, willing to admit that they're working on things, willing to pray for each other, willing to restore people when they fall, willing to be generous when people need it, there's nothing more attractive than that. Our world is desperately looking for people who will let the love of God pour out through them. In fact, that's exactly what Paul said. This is the last life application I'll give you. That's this, that we must pray that the light of the gospel will shine out through our changed hearts. When Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he said, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. I mean, if you wonder sometimes, how is it that people can't see that things are going the wrong way in our culture in so many ways that are obvious to those as believers? Because the devil has blinded them. How are they ever going to see? Well, Paul goes on. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who's the exact likeness of God. And so you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. We ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. We don't have any other agenda here. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So now we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. The great power we have is the, the power of the Holy Spirit shining out through our hearts. When people see authentic generosity, when they see genuine humility, when they see people willing to admit that I don't have it right either, let me help you as far as I know. When we introduce people to Christ because we're sinners too, and we haven't forgotten how much he's done for us, but he made us clean. Oh, people need to hear this. People need this. This happens when we surrender our lives to the Lord. We say, Lord, I give you all my sin and my shame and my fear, my guilt. Lord, I ask you to give me your forgiveness and fill me with your spirit and let your light shine out through me. So that when people see me, they see you. And Paul says when people see that, they realize that this guy is just an ordinary guy just like me, but there is power. Not the power to leap tall buildings, but a new heart. That's one of the marvels discovered in the book of Acts. And it's not a storybook. It's not a comic book. I want us to be a church like that. I think because you're here today, you want to be like that. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer now. 
a prayer where we say, Lord, I want your light to shine out through me. Show me anything in me that needs to be changed. I'm going to give it to you. If that's your desire, if that is your desire today, I want you to stand and I'm going to pray for us. If that's your desire, I want you to stand right now if you're able. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today. And Lord, we just ask that you would remove any pretense from our lives. Anything where we're pretending to be something we're not. Is there any filthy way within us, Lord, remove it. God, we want to be like Barnabas. We want to be men and women who encourage others. God, we want your light to shine out through us. And Father, we know how weak we are. We have not forgotten that you have saved us from our sins. And God, we ask now that you would empower us, that we would be a pure pipe, that any time we go off on our own agendas, you would expose it, we confess it, and get rid of it, and get on with what you have for us this day. Oh, Father, give us hearts like Jesus so we can truly say, not our will, Lord, but yours be done. Oh, Lord, today we choose to be in your presence and to practice hour by hour dependence on you. All that we have comes from you. All that you do is an act of grace that you do through us. Oh, God, forgive us for the times we've come with selfish motives. Forgive us for the times when we have been desiring recognition for ourselves. Oh, Lord Jesus, we give all glory to you. Stretch us, Lord. We're not going to limit you by what we think we can handle. Oh, Holy Spirit, expand us. Work in a powerful way. We want every purpose you have for us. We want every purpose you have for this church to be fulfilled. We will not fight you. Give us the desire and the power to do what pleases you. Lord, give us the desire and the power to do what pleases you. Please, Holy Spirit, come and give us that desire and power. We thank you for Barnabas. We even thank you for the negative example of Ananias and Sapphira. May we learn from their arrogance. We give you this church. We give you ourselves. We give you our hearts today. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.